Welcome to Podcast Ed, the podcast of reimaginedonline.org, sparking the evolution of education choice. On this episode, senior writer Lisa Bowie talks with Bob Luddy, business leader, education entrepreneur, and founder of the Thales Academy, a network of low-cost classical private schools. Today I have with me Bob Luddy. He is the founder and president of Captive Air in North Carolina. But more important than that, he is the founder of a network of private schools called Thales Academy. I uh, just want to welcome him to the program and learn more about his, uh, his private schools. Welcome, Bob. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Um, we will get started here just by, tell us a little bit about yourself and, you know, your own education and what influenced you? I mean, you have a very successful kitchen ventilation business uh, to get into the business of schools. Well, I grew up in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, and I went to um, first and 12th grade in a Catholic school, which at that time was free. So our family had a, um, a great desire for education, and it's always, always been an integral part of my life. Um, what led me to... Uh, become involved in the school business in 1998 is I realized that many children and students were not having the same opportunity that I did. And I thought there could be a better way. So in 1998, I opened the Franklin Academy at North Carolina Public Charter School, which turned out to be very successful and is still operating here almost 25 years later. And I understand you opened a Catholic school as well. Yes. Uh, three years after that, I opened an independent Catholic high school named St. Thomas More Academy. And it, it's a academically um, preparation for college uh, using classic curriculum. And it, it is a boutique small school of about 200 students, but it's just produced some excellent students some of whom uh, work for Captive Air. <laughs> that wasn't the intention of the school, but it was, it was a nice byproduct, a nice outcome. From charter to Catholic, then to private. Well, in North Carolina, in the, the initial charter school bill was for 100 charter schools. And when I started thinking about expanding into more schools, there were no charters left. And I also realized that long-term, private would be better than charter because it's <clears throat> essentially unrestricted by the state. So I had a, in 2006, I had a small group of parents come to our corporate office after work, and we talked about the potential of our private school, and the enthusiasm was overwhelming. So a year later, in our corporate office, we opened a K-1 Thales Academy with about 30 students. So we took about a third of the building, turned it into a, a school building, and we eventually incubated three schools from our corporate headquarters. And when that process was complete, uh, we needed to expand and we turned the school into a corporate office. So word got out and, and demand grew. Tell me about how that happened. 
In 2008, we transferred from our corporate office to Wake Forest. So that was one Thales. And we opened a second one in Apex, which would be the southern part of Wake County, which is Raleigh. Uh, so we opened two new buildings concurrently, and Thales was pretty up well on the map. Uh, there were many lessons learned from Franklin Academy and St. Thomas More. So I was in much better position to start these schools in 07 than back in 1998. So Thales uh, immediately attracted students that began to grow. And fast forward to today, we have 13 campuses and we have about 15 under development. So my original idea was if you could develop 25 campuses, you would have an influence on the way people think about education and the opportunity to educate a relatively large number of students. So this summer, Thales will have 5,800 students in our schools. So what were the lessons you learned, the most important lessons you learned during that time? before you started Thales? Um, reasonable discipline. Uh, because if, if you have discipline, students can learn. If classrooms don't have discipline, you have constant disruptions. And one of the things teachers don't like is being a disciplinarian. They want to be teachers. We also adopted direct instruction, which is a methodology for teaching reading, math, phonics, reading comprehension and spell <clears throat> and it was developed by Zig Engelman way back in the 60s as a matter of fact just uh, he just died a couple of years ago so he spent 50 years of his life trying to perfect a methodology of teaching K5 students and what it does is it produces amazing readers so if you look in North Carolina there's a law that says that students have to read by the third grade, or they, they should be held back. All of our students read at grade level by the third grade. Many read two, two levels above, two grades above. So it's a very effective methodology. And then from my own background, the classic curriculum, essentially the way I describe it is learning from the masters. So all the way back to Aristotle until now, we learn what the master thinkers taught us, uh, which leads to good communication skills and understanding of history, of philosophy, and culture. So it produces excellent students, thinkers, who develop good judgment and good communication skills. These academy get its name. I, I assume it's uh, a Greek-inspired name. And uh, what is the philosophy behind Thales Academy? You know, the, the philosophy is to develop students to their highest potential intellectually, academically, but also to form their characters. So someone can be very smart and um, get through college, but if they don't have a good character, they're going to fail. So... Concurrently, we're trying to do both, is form very good characters who will be good citizens, good members of families, and provide contributions at whatever level 
they can achieve. So character formation is very important and has been for since the time of Aristotle. Ailey's Miletus, I assume that's the, uh, the inspiration for the name. It is. Um, the first, uh, one of the first great Greek scholars, and we were also able to get a national trademark. So he represents classical education from as far back as we, we know, and it turned out, turned out to be a really perfect name. You mentioned classical education, learning from the masters. Tell me a little bit more about that. And also, is it faith-based or is it secular? Well, primarily classic education is faith-based. But prior to um, back in, uh, you know, 500 BC, it wasn't obviously faith-based. So from the time of Christianity forward, it's faith-based. Um, but interesting, most of the faith-based concepts and ideas that we live by are also ingrained in our in our constitution and in our secular life. So there, there's a bit of a crossover. So would it be fair to say it's not um, it's not a particular denomination? I mean, I know you had a Catholic school earlier. It, that's correct. Um, we do not teach religion, but we can teach the Bible from a historical standpoint. We can talk about various religions, but we don't teach any religion per se, but we teach the values and the virtues of those religions. Right. So you, you teach the, the character lessons, but you're not having church service or chapel. We do not. No. I see. And as a result, we appeal to a wide range of parents and students. And this allows the, um, the parent, parents and the family to make their own choices in terms of religion. We also um, put the burden of discipline on the parents rather than the school. So if a student will not follow the directions of the school, we just send them home. And that pushes the burden back where it should be to the parent. And that normally resolves the problem. You had many problems. I, I, I would assume you probably haven't, but uh... you, you always have some problems. Um, most of them can be effectively managed by the teachers or the staff, but there's always some exceptions, and you have to be able to deal effectively those exceptions. And the way we do is to say to the parents, "We have certain requirements that have to be met. They're non-negotiable." And we need your help to do that. And mostly that works very well. There's always some exceptions. Though. Do you have any children? I know some of these are caused by medical conditions, um, special needs, unique abilities, learning differences. Um, is there any room at Thales for, for these kind of kids or should they go somewhere else? Well, for for most kids, and I'm going to say in the 96 to 7 percentile, maybe even higher, we, we can handle this kids quite effectively. So we've had dyslexic, uh, and many students become labeled as learning disabled when they're not actually learning disabled, they're just behind. So, for example, we had a grandmother that called me and said, my 
granddaughter's learning disabled. Would you open a special school? And I said, no, but have her come over. We tested her and found out that she was just two years behind where she should be. Uh, the child entered the school and we got her caught up. So in very severe cases, we can't handle those students, but they're pretty, they're very rare. And many of the conditions where they would be labeled learning disabled, special needs, we handle them mainstream. And the direct instruction, particularly in K-5, is very adept at teaching those students. One of the things about Thales that uh, parents probably find attractive is I understand it's uh, intended to be low cost. Yeah, if you can have a private school for the middle class, it has to be affordable. So how do we make it affordable? One is we eliminate the bureaucracy that exists in most schools. And we pay our teachers to scale so the teachers are fairly paid. Uh, Class size, uh, we average in the range of 25 students. You know, so it's been a big push to reduce class sizes. But in the direct instruction, students are ability group. So those ability groups could run anywhere from six students up to 30. And when they are ability grouped, they're homogeneous in their learning capabilities. It can sustain a larger class size. If you have a class size of 25 and you have a whole range of abilities, essentially students that could read anywhere from pre-kindergarten to third grade, it's, it's virtually impossible for a teacher to deal with that. So the ability grouping allows students to earn, earn, learn at their own pace and it allows a larger class size, which makes the school affordable. Uh, most schools, even many private, are just loaded with bureaucracy and systems. We've streamlined all of those because really all a school is is the teacher, the student, and the parent. Everything else is extraneous. Obviously, you need a building and you need certain systems, uh, but we've been able to uh, control the costs on those to make the schools very affordable. Now, I understand you have a a blueprint uh, for design that you just replicate. Yeah, we designed a building back in uh, 07. And essentially, we're building the same buildings. Every building is the same. There have been improvements over a period of time. So we, we used to use carpet. Now we use polished concrete. We got rid of the lay-in ceilings, but the essential building is the same. It's a very high-quality building. Uh, we use captive air DOAS units, which bring outside air into the building. So air quality, noise, aesthetics are all values of our construction team. And it allows a really beautiful building and a perfect place to learn. And by replicating it, we control costs, and we also control quality. You also note, in terms of security, we only have a minimal number of entrances, and they're continuously locked with electronic locks. We have uh, cameras inside and outside, which are continuously monitored on large screens. So if anybody's approaching the building, we see them, who they are. 
if they're inside the building and there's any kind of an issue, again, the uh, the two leaders of the school are paying attention to that all day long. So we've had very good security, and it's a, just a beautiful building to learn in. Yeah, speaking of low cost, how much does tuition typically cost? And do your schools accept any kind of um, state scholarships for, for tuition? I know in Florida, we have a very robust um, state K-12 through scholarship program. I know it's different depending on your state. Our tuition in the K-5 is, averages about $5,500. And in the 612, it's... $6,000. Interesting, we do accept the North Carolina Opportunity Scholarships, which were $4,200, but uh, this current school year upcoming, they're going to be around $6,000. So for those who receive the state scholarship, it pays 100% of their tuition. And in, in the case of the K-5, it, uh, we have to return some of that money because it's more than our tuition. Of North Carolina adopted education savings accounts, uh, the parents would get to keep it and uh, use it toward uh, other expenses. <laughs> yeah, so. they do have a type of ESA uh, for special needs students, uh, and that th those would be those exceptions that two percent maybe that we don't accept. North Carolina has an adequate amount of scholarship for those students to get into very special needs schools. So that's a good thing. But mm -hmm. it hasn't transferred over into the scholarship yet. Yeah. Do you support that sort of thing? Yes. Um, most ideally, I would like to see every student have an ESA and for every family to make a choice for every one of their children. And in some cases, that could be multiple schools for various reasons. Uh, that would create competition, which in the long run would dramatically improve our schools. You know, just in business, we have businesses that exist that are failing, but they ultimately fail and they're replaced or business moves to higher quality. But without competition, you cannot maintain high quality over a very long period of time. Well, your schools sound very efficient. You mentioned there not being a lot of uh, bureaucracy. Um, what do you have in the way of administration? In a typical K-5 school, we will have a senior administrator leader and one administrative person. Sometimes if the school reaches capacity, we may add another administrative person. But that's it for the whole school. In the high school now, we typically have same thing. We have a leader, and then we have an academic leader, so they kind of share those tasks. And we have an administrator um, in the front office keeping the trains running on time. So our our leadership is minimal, but it's very effective. Because again, teaching as a teacher in a classroom with a student, that's the essence of teaching. And when you have so many of these administrative people, it almost tends to interfere with that process. So we're, we're relying heavily on our teachers to be able to function on their own. 
although we do have defined curriculum and methodology of instruction. Now, what do you have to do to be qualified to teach at Thales Academy? We use the term highly qualified, so we do not require licensing. If we um, need a math teacher, we want a teacher that majored in math. In the K-5, most of those teachers went to educational school, and we teach them the direct instruction, which is not typically taught in the colleges. In the classic curriculum, we look for teachers who went to a classical skill, school and have a subset of knowledge, whether it's literature, history, mathematics, physics, etc. And that's been uh, very effective. I should also note that our schools are not accredited. Um, it's kind of interesting. Colleges don't really care about accreditation. It's not a requirement. So our our students get into Ivy League colleges, military academy, uh, pretty much any school they want to if they're qualified. Uh, so this idea that you need to be accredited, we, we've completely disabused that idea. And it also frees us up to create our own quality standards, which is why parents are bringing their students to, to Thales. Did you say your standards are higher than the typical accreditation agency would require? Oh, absolutely. Accreditation is mostly about inputs. How many uh, master's degrees do you have? And how many books do you have in the library? And it's, it's basically government bureaucracy. We're teaching and career. Now, what's important is the curriculum, how well it's taught, and how well students learn. That's all that's important. The idea of accreditation sounds good on the surface, but can actually undermine that process. So how does learning take place uh, at your school? You know, I, I assume the lower grades are different from the upper grades. In the lower grades, in direct instruction, it's a very formatted methodology. So, and everything is protocol. So, for example, the teacher would say, your turn, my turn. Uh, if a student reads a passage that the teacher doesn't like, she'll say, my turn, she'll read it. Uh, we also have a weekly checkout. So, there's a two-minute checkout of every student with the teacher to ascertain whether they learned the lessons of the week, because direct instruction is taught to mastery. Beyond the direct instruction, which usually occurs in the afternoon, it, it's a more normal process. As you move into classic curriculum, uh, it's a combination of Socratic seminars, instruction. Uh, so we use the best methodologies depending on the particular subject at hand. And uh, the Socratic method is very effective for much of the curriculum. And how are outcomes measured? Do you have testing? Do you have traditional grades? How does that work? In the um, lower school, up to about K-6, we use the Iowa basic skills, which is very detailed in understanding how well the students have learned skills. 
And if there's any gaps there, the uh, it can be picked up to make sure the students are right on grade level. Uh, we also test them into uh, math. Uh, so we, we have a very good understanding how they're doing. And then with the Iowa skills, we know how the class is doing relative to all the other students in the country that took that test. As you move into eighth, ninth grade, uh, we look to the PSAT, which is a good baseline to start the ninth grade, even though it's an 11th grade standard. And so we look at the growth between the ninth and 11th grade, and then we look to the SAT. So big average, daily students, seniors average about 1250 on the SAT versus about 1050 national. So they're reaching a very excellent standard. Mm -hmm. They get report cards. Oh, yes. <laughs> um, and we... We don't have grade inflation, uh, so students have to strive hard to get those marks. And as you know, students going to college want to get good marks, but we make them earn those marks. And that's a very good process. In the upper grades, you also offer a STEM elective. Uh, tell me a little bit about uh, the Luddy Institute of Technology. Yes, the essential idea here was that they could study four years of engineering, one hour per day. And they also could take um, LIT in you know, the ninth grade, but not take it the other grades. So they would get an introduction to engineering. So some students may not want to be engineers, but they, they want to learn some engineering. And it's a really good hands-on program. They do projects. They learn the basics of engineering. So if they choose to go into physics, math, engineering, it's a huge head start. And we're trying to expand that now so that every student gets some level of vocational education from the 6th to 12th grade. Because mostly our country has abandoned vocational education, but it's really important, even for the greatest intellectual, to have some vocational skills. Uh, whether they be cooking, knowing how to fix things around the house, understanding your car, understanding basics of engineering and physics. So that's going to be a continuing long-term emphasis uh, for Thales. Are there any plans to partner with any public school career academies or businesses to offer training in uh vocations such as nursing or cosmetology? Not at this time. Um, we just completed a, uh, a Thales College one-week seminar for students. There was about 20 students, and each day they would get lectures in the morning from an entrepreneur or local business, and then from a professor. Then in the afternoon, they would actually tour the business. So the students hands-on can understand how a business actually operates. So we, we do intend to work with businesses so the students can learn more about the real world, how it functions, what the expectations are. Um, but we don't want to take on uh, new initiatives that we can't do well. So we continue to perfect what we're doing, and over time we will take on new initi initiatives, but primarily right now, we want to increase vocational education 
and we want to be the best providers of a good, strong classical education possible. Well, the uh, evidence of a good education a lot of times comes from what alumni say. So what do alumni say about uh, Thales? Uh, they love Thales. Um, a lot of them keep in touch with me. So we've produced uh, many good students. Uh, many of them will go to local universities like uh, North Carolina State, UNC, Duke. But others, uh, we just had our first student go to the military academy. We have a student going to Princeton. Uh, they go to classical schools around the country. And as I stated, some of them come back and become teachers. Others move into business industry, uh, nursing, a whole range of um, skills and vocations. Well, it sounds like you've been rapidly expanding in uh I recently read where you're opening in 2024, I believe, in uh, Greenville, South Carolina, which uh, is the area I'm from. Um, how many locations do you have now, and, and what are your ultimate plans for expansion? How many states do you want to be in? Currently, not more than five states. So when we go to Greenville, we will be in four states, <clears throat> Tennessee, North Carolina, South Carolina, and, and Virginia. We may also eventually expand into Florida. But if you look at the model we have in the Raleigh area, because we have over 4,000 students, we have more impact on the community. People understand these are really good schools. They have friends and neighbors that go there. So our two objectives are to form and teach students to their highest potential. And the second is to have an impact on our community so that we get a higher level of focus on all students in our community and provide the maximum number of opportunities. So Thales is open source. We encourage competition because the main goal is to get as many students as well-educated and as well-formed as possible. Well, speaking of uh, your K-12 graduates, I understand there will be another higher education option for them this fall. Uh, tell us about Thales College and why you decided to expand to higher education and what that's going to look like. Well, my personal experience in college is I went to LaSalle University in Philadelphia, and I was a commuter. So essentially, and at the time it was all male. So most of the men going there came to school, studied, and then they worked part-time or full-time. So that's kind of my impression of college. So what we decided to do is offer an opportunity that would be a three-year college, uh, essentially three semesters per year for the first two years and two in the third year. So in less than three years, students can graduate. And during that time frame, we want them to be engaged in internships, um, also a certain amount of tutoring by our professors because it's going to be a relatively small college. And to me, the value of college is having a relationship with a professor that can teach you at a deeper level than you read in the book. So we offer the Oxford tutorial, uh, internships, mentorships, um, and three uh, offerings, which would be mechanical engineering, entrepreneurial business, 
and classically trained teachers. So that's where our expertise lies, and that's all we're going to do. So the first students for high school to students getting college credits, that's gone on the last couple of years. And then the summer programs, we just completed the second year. But the official college opens September of this year, the day after Labor Day. And we already uh, anticipate about 10 students year one. But you, you can't really uh, recruit a lot of students until you're actually opening and functioning. So we expect the second year will double or triple the number of students. But it's a very exciting opportunity. And it's a total focus on personal development. So three years after high school, students are ready to enter the marketplace. Very well developed and very well prepared for those jobs. I understand uh, the goal here, too, like your K-12 through academy was keeping costs very low. What is tuition for Thales College? The entire cost for, for three years is $32,000. That's $4,000 per semester. Uh, so if you think about it, um, it's a relatively low cost, and many of the students will be able to earn a decent amount of that money even when they're in college. So my, my ultimate goal with students would come out with no debt, a lot of experience, having worked hard for three years, but being totally prepared to 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 live a great life and make any choices they think are appropriate uh, without the burden of debt, which is um, really tragic, I think, in our lifetime. This is all great. and You've had a lot of experience opening and running schools. So what advice would you give a person today who's seeking to start their own school? We've had a lot of uh, entrepreneurs especially uh, in the wake of the pandemic? My advice, if you want to open a school, you need to be the leader. Um, Ludwig von Mises made a statement years ago that you cannot hire entrepreneurial talent in the marketplace. So if you have a vision for the school, you need to be that leader, at least for a period of time until you develop individuals who can succeed in that mission. Um, if you might note that all of the leaders of Thales Academy were former teachers at Thales Academy. So they're very well vetted, vetted. They understand our philosophy and they agree with our philosophy because they've been around for a period of time. And that's proved to be a very successful model. Whereas if you hire somebody in the marketplace, they're going to bring the model they're familiar with to your school. Very often what that means is it's not going to be any better than existing in the market. So did you start out at the, as the leader of your first schools then? Yeah, I was the original leader, and I'm still the overall leader of Thales Academy. So I'm engaged in every detail uh, related. I'm, I meet on a regular basis with the leaders. I go to the schools. And that has to occur long term because it's my vision that created the schools. And it's, it's a vision that's a little different than uh, what's existing in the marketplace. So it's imperative that I continue to be engaged for as long as possible. Now, the good news is we, we have a bevy of 
excellent leaders who will carry on and grow the school long after my time. Well, I've often heard that uh, the measure of success is not what happens while you're there, but what happens after you leave. Very good point. So um, that's why I think two things. It's important that the founders stay with the school as long as possible to develop that team of people that can sustain it over a long period of time. And it's also important to be very effective in your delegation and to get these leaders and teachers engaged. And I can tell you that our, our teachers love being at Frank or at uh, Thales Academy because they're protected. Uh, they don't have to worry too much about discipline. And a good teacher only has one goal, to have their students achieve. So if the students are achieving and they're learning and they're growing, teachers are fulfilling their mission in life. And that's a principal reason why we're able to attract and, and keep teachers. And the leaders would be the same thing. Uh, typically in a K-5 school, the leader of the school knows all the students and they know where they stand academically because they go to monthly meetings uh, to review the progress of every student. So engagement at the best level, uh, we use the term Kaizen, continuous improvement, which we've been engaged in for a long period of time. It all works very well, but running schools is hard. and It requires uh, continuous effort and improvement, and that's what Thales is all about. And it's also a lesson that we want to teach the students that life requires continuous vigilance and improvement. And sometimes it can be hard and we need to learn how to overcome difficult problems in life. Thank you so much, Bob. We've learned a lot today. We appreciate having you on the program.